welcome to Match Day 2's edition of Dub at the Cup, Keep Up's daily coverage of the Women's World Cup. My name is Taryn Hedo, with me today, Teo Pelletzeri, and also joining us, a very special guest, Naomi Chinua. Naomi, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Well, there was three games of World Cup action today, but before we get into covering that, we wanted to go back a step and talk about the Matildas last night, obviously, right here where we're recording today, 75,000 at Stadium Australia, an incredible, incredible atmosphere, an incredible moment for the game. Naomi, what are your thoughts on what happened last night? I just think the atmosphere was crazy. Like, I was there, I was in the stands, and even just seeing at the beginning all the lights and the introduction, it was amazing. And to win on home soil the first match with a record-breaking attendance is just incredible and so inspiring. Who of the people you went with told you that Sam Kerr was out? Was it, did you check your phone? Did someone tell you? Was the buzz going around the crowd? Like, how did you find out that Sam wasn't playing? I had no clue. I had no idea whatsoever. I was actually interviewed beforehand and I was asked about, um, who, what, what's your score prediction? Who do you think is going to score? And I was like, Sam, I'll give her two goals. Caitlin Ford, <laughs> she'll get one too. And, um, yeah, and then I see, I check my phone and I see that, she had done an injury, so it's just unfortunate and, yeah, they just have to, you know, get their stuff together and they were able to win anyway, so it was good. Taryn, it's a race against time for <laughs> Sam Kerr, but we don't think it's going to be in the group stage now. Today's results doing Australia a big favour, that nil-all draw between Nigeria and Canada, certainly helping the Matildas cause, puts them in a position where if they beat Nigeria in Game 2, they are through to the round of 16. So how important is that that carrot and that lure, that extra safety net that Sam Kerr may be under no pressure to have to even play the third game of the group stage. Look, Teo, I am no physio. I'm not a doctor uh, in, in any <laughs> kind of scenario. But famous, my... famous line in the Australian <laughs> game. <laughs> but uh, my Googling last night uh, and experiences with calf injuries before, calf injuries, they're, they're tough. They can be, you know, at a lower level, there can be a grade one, sort of a week, two games is the official line from the Matildas camp, of course. But if they can get her another game off, I suspect that they will take that option. And if it does turn out that after two games, the Matildas are in the round of 16, uh, I would suspect that, that she may give that Canada game a miss and we may see her uh, in, in the first knockout game instead. Now, Naomi, injuries are part and parcel of any A-League women's season. You've been in the, the locker room, no doubt with players who were scrambling to try and get past fit, maybe even do late fitness tests. What does it say about the mentality of this Matildas team that they were able to go out and play and play as well as they did and not be rattled by the fact that their leader, Sam Kerr, wasn't there with them in the game? I just think it just goes to show how the Matildas can handle challenges and anything that's thrown at them, they're able to adapt. And I think that's really important because realistically anything can happen within tournament. So you have to be able to bend and adjust accordingly. Now, there were 75,000 fans in that stadium, but you had your own special experience. Uh, <laughs> you went to Costa Rica with the young Matildas, played in the Under-20 World Cup, and you played against the host nations. So you got that experience of playing in a full stadium yourself. So as far as, you know, last night's experience and how that has made you feel about your own career and <laughs> ambitions to 
get to play in front of a 75,000 crowd and do that more often through your career. What impression has it left with you as a footballer, not just as a fan of the Matildas last night's experience? I think it's definitely inspiring. Um, my experience in Costa Rica was amazing and I can only imagine for the Matildas to play in front, in front of 75,000 people. It's like four times the amount for us in Costa Rica. It's just incredible and the amount of... Um, boost that will give you for your performance is just um, amazing and I think that's something I look forward to in my career and strive towards. Now one thing sitting in the stands that uh, we asked before we started recording was do you watch where the ball goes or being a defender and a centre-back and, and a player that's still learning your craft at the professional level how closely do you watch the defenders versus how closely do you watch the game? Tell us, uh, were your <laughs> eyes wandering to what the defenders, Alana Kennedy and Claire Hunt, were doing in the game last night? Yes, well, I definitely, that is one thing I do like to do for games. Um, I think watching the games as it unfolds, even if I'm not playing it myself, I feel like you can still get better from that by just experiencing it and you ask yourself the questions, what would I do in that, um, that moment? And okay, that was a good tackle made, or what, what could have been done better? Like Just analysing the game, I feel like, can help you improve, but you can also enjoy the game as well. You don't need to be stiff with it. So. The, the Matildas <laughs> hadn't conceded a corner until about the 70-minute mark, and then they conceded seven corners yeah. in the last 20 minutes. So ha was that causing you anxiety as a centre-back yourself, watching them have to defend that barrage of set pieces at the end of the game? Yeah, I think they did well to deal with it, but, yeah, it definitely had everyone on their seats I was just like, clear high and wide, just get it out, not for another corner. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the Matildas dealt with it well. Taryn, uh, let's talk about the other game in Australia's group because it was a nil-all draw between Nigeria and Canada in Melbourne. Pretty entertaining for a nil-all draw. The key moment, of course, was a penalty save. Christine Sinclair unable to convert for Canada. But give me your impressions and thoughts and what you took away from that nil-all draw. Well, I said this to you off-air, Tao. I think for Canada... The loss of Jesse Fleming in midfield was almost as big for them as the loss of Sam Kerr is for us because not only did they lose a creative midfield threat and I think that Canada at times really struggled to break down Nigeria, Christine Sinclair was probably the direct replacement in the starting lineup for Jesse Fleming. Sinclair plays in a more midfield 10 kind of role these days instead of an out-and-out -out striker. And had Jesse Fleming been on that pitch, I think Fleming takes the penalty. And we saw at the Olympics, we saw Jesse Fleming bury those penalties under pressure situations. In fact, in the game against USA, Christine Sinclair handed the ball over to Fleming. It was Taren, a, it a passing like of trying, the guard. It sounds like you are trying to counter my argument before I even make it here. Where is your sense of history and occasion? Why shouldn't Christine Sinclair have taken that penalty? I mean, she. It, there's no one who's scored more goals in international football, so why wouldn't you trust the veteran of all veterans to go up and take that penalty? Are you saying that it was a mistake that Christine Sinclair took it? I know that Jesse Fleming wasn't on the pitch to take it, but surely Sinclair can pull rank going to try and score in a sixth World Cup. I would never disparage the GOAT on a podcast, Teo. But what I am saying is that in the Olympics, we have evidence of Jesse Fleming stepping up in a pressure cooker situation multiple times, I think three times in the semi-final and the final as well. 
burying the penalty, and I think she would have taken it, and I think it would have been a 1-0 win to Canada. Now, on Keep Up, Nick Dubano wrote a scouting report about both teams, but in particular what the Matildas can expect in their second group game against Nigeria. Naomi, based on what you saw from the Matildas, obviously they, they needed a penalty to win, limited chances from open play, and Nigeria um, far more capable on the counter-attack, providing their own attacking threat in the nil-all draw today than Ireland perhaps were last night. So what are you hoping to see from the Matildas when they go into game two? We know there's going to be no Sam Kerr, so what are you hoping to see as they try and score more goals and also make sure they, they get the win and guarantee their spot in the round of 16? Well, I think um, we can definitely capitalise on our attacking threats. Uh, we know that Nigeria, they have more of a stronger attack than defence, I would say. I still think they shouldn't be taken lightly. But I think that's the chance where we can use our threats like Caitlin Ford, um, Mary Fowler. She has great touches and we know how Caitlin loves to take on uh, multiple people. And we saw evidence of that last night as well. Um, I really think that Nigeria, we also have to be aware of their threats as well. They have Azizat Oshayola. She's the striker of Barcelona and she's like not to be taken lightly as well. Now, uh, Taryn, yes. how worried should Canada be going into the game against Ireland? that they drew a blank. I mean, a lot of people seem to think that, uh, I know that Grace Gill on this podcast tipped Canada to go out in the group stage. Tell you what, if, if Canada don't beat Ireland, they, they're going to be in big, big trouble. So what's your gut feel on Canada after seeing them today? It's difficult to know because, yes, Ireland showed uh, they have an incredible structure. They're very well organised, uh, obviously very well coached. They know their roles. They know what they're doing. But they lacked that clinical touch in those key moments. And in fact, in the lead up, yes, Ireland are very effective on set pieces, but they've had to be because they're not able to create too much from open play. Maybe we'll see another nil or draw, which benefits neither team, might I add. Uh, but I think, yes, Canada should be worried, but I think it'll be a game of very, very fine margins from both. Well, that'll be fascinating when it comes up. Now, Naomi, we want to ask, how are you, uh, for the viewers that got to know you on, maybe saw your interview on Dubzone during the season or watched you playing in the A-League Women's for Melbourne City, how are you spending the off-season? Um, what does it entail? Are you playing? Uh, are you training? Tell us what you're doing um, in addition to following the World Cup. Well, um, definitely heaps of training. I actually came from training um, right before this, so um, that hasn't stopped at all. We had some conditioning and yeah let's not get into that but um yeah it's been busy with the future matildas program uh we have been part of npl um with everyone sprinkled over in some teams but uh mostly our involvement has been with future matildas and playing uh games like in the uh during the week against boys and also the young matildas we've had tournaments that we just came back from um one in vietnam i don't know if you guys heard but um yeah the round two qualifiers uh, yes, no, well, we, we did see great results, and obviously uh, the next stage of qualifying ho uh, the tournament proper, hopefully, uh, you can qualify for another under-20 World Cup. Yes, that would uh, be great. <laughs> now, one of your teammates last summer was Hannah Wilkinson, of course, and uh, she scored the match-winning goal for New Zealand. Uh, first time New Zealand has won a game at a Senior World Cup. Really special moment. What do you think that would have meant to her? And tell us what she's like as a teammate. Is she the sort of person that talks a lot about the New Zealand national team when she was at her club team? Um, and what do you think it would have meant for her to be the hero that scores that goal? Uh, she's amazing. Like uh, Speaking to her, she's so down to earth. And in that moment, uh, you could see from her celebration what that meant to her. 
that being clinical in that moment to win the game for your team for the first time is just would feel incredible. And as for at Melbourne City, she's a wonderful teammate. She's actually um, lent me some boots. She, she gave me a few pairs last season, so that was good. Are you the same size? <laughs> uh, actually, yeah, it fits really well, and I still use them. <laughs> but yeah, but they're um, strikers' boots. You're a defender. Do you, no, do, no, do you find good. you score? Do you score more goals in training when you wear those boots? Oh or? yeah, yeah. You gotta say my touch is like. <laughs> It's just perfect in those boots. But, yeah, she's a lovely person and she's definitely a team player. And also, the, you had Katie Bowen there um, at Melbourne City as well. So were those two talking a lot about the build-up to the World Cup and what it meant to them? Or uh, is that something that they, they didn't share with the rest of their team? Because this New Zealand team is now in a wonderful position to get out of the group, which is incredible for them. Well, they did mention um, uh, the World Cup coming up and what it meant to them. Uh, they had a lot of preparation. Like At times, they had to miss some A-League games because of um, the FIFA window. So that was, um, that was probably most of it. But otherwise, they were, they were very focused when they were playing with us. And of course, uh, you yourself, you've got your own ambitions and you're really heavily involved in football, as you just mentioned to us. So what are some of the, the medium-term goals over the next 12 months that you're setting for yourself? Because we've seen you grow and become a bit of a first-team regular in the A-League women's. You've kind of you've carved out an identity because you're such a great chat and you're, you're really giving and insightful with you know, your experiences on the pitch, but when it comes to the actual football itself, what goals and benchmarks are you setting for the A-League women's over the next 12 months? For A-League women's, I just, the main goal is to get the double. I think that's definitely um, one thing we'll all be striving towards. Uh, for me personally as well, I think heading into the next Young Matildas qualifiers, prior selection, obviously, um, if I am selected for that, that a main goal for me will be getting our team through to qualify for the next under-20s World Cup. Now, what about off the pitch? Because we know that A-League Women's, it's a great environment where you can get selfies and autographs and you've got that real sort of hands-on connection between players and fans. Are you hoping that your crowds are going to be significantly bigger, both home and away, as a result of this World Cup? And what would it mean to see the fans that have come, come along to the Matildas at this World Cup uh, swell and sort of get around the A-League women's as well and follow on their interest in football into our local league in our backyard? I think it's amazing. And I, this World Cup, I hope that it's just going to inspire lots of young girls and hopefully draw more attention to our A-League um, I think that it will attract a lot of international players as well and also inspire young girls to get involved in football and hopefully grow our crowds as well. I think that's important. Are you ready for the attention? Are you ready to be a role model? <laughs> uh, yes, I'll try my best to be a good role model, but um, yeah. That's, that's the main thing. Just try my best. Well, for your, for your sake and the competition's sake, I hope that comes to fruition. <laughs> now, Taryn, let's talk about the other games today because I think we've seen the best performed team of the tournament so far albeit with a few little burning questions. Spain defeated Costa Rica 3-0. It's worth remembering that they'd scored all three goals and missed a penalty by the 34-minute mark, and then they continued to dominate for the rest of the game without scoring anymore. What were your impressions of that game? Well, the Costa Rican goalkeeper, Daniela Solera, she was fantastic, wasn't she? She saved that penalty. I think there was a, a stat, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Teo, but I believe she had she made more saves than Spain's keeper had touches in the game. So that tells the story of the game. But of course, that first 30, 40 minutes or so, Spain looked electric. Aitana Bonmati looked absolutely unbelievable. 
in those opening stages and maybe they can be, f be forgiven for taking their foot off the pedal a little bit in the second half but oof, Spain, they, uh, they certainly have been the best team so far this tournament performance wise it's fair to say. Naomi, how do you think the Costa Rica defenders are feeling walking off after facing 46 shots, 12 on target and Spain had 117 touches in the Costa Rican penalty area. I mean, I can see the look on your face. How, how do you think the Costa Rica defenders are feeling? They probably feel as though it's an achievement that they only kept it to three. Yes, I think so. I, I'm feeling for them as well, especially as a defender. And we know those matches when it's just non-stop and you're under the pump, they're exhausting. So I bet their tracker stats are off the charts. <laughs> as far as Spain, um, did they leave you with any impressions? I mean, what are you feeling about them as a potential contender? I mean, they can't face Australia until the final because they're on the other side of the draw, but what impressions did Spain leave you? I think Spain, they're very strong with their attack and they were, were very relentless. As you said, by the stats, I think that goes to show how um, strong they are and I think that teams need to cater for that. They have multiple threats and different... Um, tools they can use up front. Taryn, the other game today was Switzerland beating the Philippines 2-0. There was a, a contentious penalty when the game was 0-0 and then in the second half it was more or less one-way traffic. So your thoughts on uh, Alan Stadrich's Philippines falling to defeat in their first World Cup game and Switzerland joining New Zealand in taking a bit of control in that group. Look, the first 25 minutes or so were quite even actually and Katrina Gilliu of the Philippines thought she'd scored but called back for offside so I'll be devastated that that didn't happen in their debut World Cup game of course but look once Switzerland sort of got past those those opening nerves really got into the game they they did dominate and they did look quite good uh, the Philippines faced a lot of one-way tra traffic as you say in the second half and look for Switzerland it's a confidence building win but the Philippines They'll know they can get something out of this group and out of this World Cup. And of course, A-League Women's Connections, Angie Beard, really had a lot to do. She was uh, defending Ramona Backman for a lot of the game, but also had to move up into midfield. She took a lot of their set pieces. A really, really busy day for Angie Beard. And Serena Bolden didn't quite get the attacking chances that she would have hoped for. We know she's an opportunist and we know she's quick, but they're the sort of team that will still ask questions of New Zealand, won't they? And, and that will be, given New Zealand are coming in on a high, they cannot afford to take the Philippines lightly, given that they know that if they win, they've got a foot in the round of 16. 100%. And we've seen throughout this World Cup already, you know, major tournaments, surprises happen. We saw that game one with New Zealand themselves, of course. And, you know, New Zealand will know to, to not take the Philippines lightly. The Philippines, again, they're well organised. They know their roles. Uh, Angie Beard, Serena Bolden, we know what they can do. Uh, don't forget Jacqueline Switzy as well uh, from Western United. So, look, the Philippines, very, very capable. Uh, it'll just be a matter of finding that goal on the counter and, and finding that opportunity when it when it really counts. And Naomi, you've had to defend against Serena Bolden, so if you if you were giving advice to the Kiwi defenders, what would you tell them about marking her uh, when those two teams go head-to-head? -head? <laughs> Block the shot and stay tight. That's the main advice from me. <laughs> Alright, uh, now we've got uh, one last thing I wanted to get to before tomorrow's games, Taryn. Shop window players that we might be able to convince to stay in Australia and play in the A-League Women's after the World Cup. Do you think we're a chance of signing the Costa Rica goalkeeper? I think she would be the exact kind of target for the A-League that, that some clubs should be looking at. She's 26, she still plays in Costa Rica, and the World Cup can be a window for players like her from nations where, 
you know, otherwise we might not be able to see them play on a day-to-day -day basis. So, absolutely. I, I, I can think of a few clubs off the top of my head that might need a goalkeeper next season, and I'm sure she'd be one that they'd be looking at. All right, let's get to tomorrow's fixtures because there are four, including the debut uh, in this tournament of the defending champions, the United States of America. They play, uh, all these times are Australian Eastern Standard Time. They play Vietnam at 11 a.m. tomorrow. Naomi, uh, the United States beat Thailand 13-0 to start the last World Cup. What sort of scoreline do you think they'll get against Vietnam? Okay, well, we know um, Vietnam, they'll probably play in a deep block. So, US, they need to be, like, hopefully their shots from range can get in. But I would say maybe 5-0. Taryn? Oh, it's, it's difficult to look past the United States. I'll go 3-0. I'll go, I'll go foot off the pedal after the first half. Yeah, I mean, it's probably worth remembering, 2018 Asian Cup, Australia beat Vietnam, I think, 8-0. Eight, eight so I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at 10-plus. All right, wow. uh, at 5pm, Zambia and Japan. These are the other two teams in Spain's group. And after Spain's performance today, they will know the value of winning this. Zambia, of course, beat Germany in their last friendly before the World Cup. Japan have won a World Cup. We know they have great heritage in women's football. Naomi, who do you like, Zambia or Japan? Uh, Japan, like, they're very disciplined and technical, so I'll have to say Japan. Taryn? I'll go for a draw. I'll go for a draw. And a nervy, a nervy last 10 minutes from Japan that leads to a late goal. 7.30pm, England play for the first time in the tournament, of course. They are on the opposite side of Australia's group, so they're a very realistic chance of facing Australia in the round of 16. Uh, Naomi, England versus Haiti. Haiti, as we know, a fantastic achievement to qualify. They could be the biggest upset special of this tournament if they win a game in a very tough group. Do you give them a chance? Well, we love underdogs, so you don't know what can happen on the day. I, obviously, um, it's, that's a tough team to be facing for Haiti, but... <sighs> mm, I'll say a draw at best for them. Taryn, England, do you see them winning comfortably or do you think they'll have a difficult time? No easy games at a World Cup, Teo, but no, uh, England, <laughs> England should be winning this one comfortably. Yeah. And then the late game, 10pm kickoff, Denmark versus China. Uh, quick tip, uh, Denmark or China, Naomi, who do you like? Oh, that's tough as well. Why are you giving me tough teams? <laughs> um, this, is, this is what the World Cup's about, though. They're tough games. I know. Okay. Let's just say Denmark. Taryn? Denmark. I'm going to go with, with China for this one. I think, I think they've been underrated coming into the tournament, Asian champions. I'm going for China. All right, Naomi, thank you so much for joining us on Dub at the Cup, of course. We're going to have more A-League women's players, coaches and former Matildas joining us throughout the tournament. Uh, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Thanks so much for having me. Taryn, where can we find out more about Keep Up's coverage of the Women's World Cup? Well, you can follow Keep Up on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram. You can just go on the website. You can type it in on Google. You know, follow us wherever you see it. Whatever you like is all good to us. It's been a pleasure today at Dub at the Cup. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye.